welcome to the Fleet Geeks podcast. We're here to help develop fleet and transport professionals. Do you want to progress and develop your skills and knowledge? We promise to bring lively conversation and debate around interesting issues and keep you bang up to date with changes in our awesome industry. The Fleet Geeks are a community of professionals and if you enjoy the podcast, why not join the discussion for free in the Fleet Geek community over on Facebook. So the red light is rolling and I'm absolutely delighted uh, to be joined for a second time today uh, by a second time today. Sorry, a second podcast. Look at me. I can't even put my teeth in properly today. Um, I'm joined again by Lisa, who kindly did a podcast, which those who have listened will have heard uh, last week. Um, And if you haven't listened, please do go back and check that. Um, And we did we did a podcast last week. But just for the benefit of people listening to this for the first time, Lisa, you able to just do a quick introduction for for them, please. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Lisa Dawn. I work as an associate professor at Cranfield University and also uh, I'm founder of a company called SideDrive, um, so do look that up. And uh, most of my expertise is uh, focused on driver behaviour. Fantastic. And um, I, I really appreciate you taking the time out from your busy schedule, Lisa, um, to, to be able to help us record the, the series of podcasts. So the first one we did looked at, at workload. And uh, in this session, uh, we're going to be looking at skills fade. In the, in the next podcast, we'll look at distraction as well, just to keep people a little bit um, engaged um, and, uh, and not distracted. But we're going to stick with skills fade for now. So First of all, I suppose the question is, is, is what's a good explanation? What is what is skills fade and, and, and why is that an issue in the context of driving, for example? OK, so one of the issues for um, the development of driving skills is that often you develop them over a very short period of time, perhaps through license acquisition, you know, if you're trying to acquire a license either for a category B or for driving uh, a truck. And that period of increasing your skills and knowledge around driving any kind of vehicle often happens under what's called mask practice that is you know it's a, a, a very short period of time that you're acquiring those skills um, and actually um, from the research uh, it suggests that distributed practice is far better for retention of skills um, because the problem is when you learn a skill over a very short period of time it actually is more prone to decay or fade um, so the implication for driving for work is that if you have recently acquired a truck driving license and don't actually drive a truck for some weeks, then the danger is that your skills have faded and it's important to keep those um, practice levels up so that you can um, uh, learn and develop the skills over time got you got you so uh, it sound it sounds a bit to me in, in in sort of my world where where we do bits of training and things like that we talk about people who come on a training course and they go away back into everyday life if they just do that their retention of that skill that they've trained is maybe single digit percentages whereas if they then go into the workplace and practice that skill uh the the potential of retention increases and then if they 
are assessed and there's like at some level of an ongoing assessment and those kinds of things then obviously they need to keep that standard higher and there's there, there's added uh, practice that they're getting so this is really interesting i suppose for transport managers and fleet managers who are listening because ultimately the the worry i suppose is this prerequisite that actually to qualify to be a driver is to have the license and often we're not actually checking the skill level for example so um and and potentially people might you know driving work in particular people sort of come and go in and out of the industry yeah so your your findings are saying that that potentially is posing a, a risk to the to the driver and to the organization indeed and what the evidence suggests is that if you're not practicing those newly acquired skills for three weeks that you start to see how performance declines, that people's abilities um, are affected. Um, so if you're in the kind of job environment where you're not having to drive the truck very often, um, there's a potential source of risk there when you get behind the wheel, when you've not had any practice for some weeks. Got you, got you. And so that, that is, that is a bit of a concern. So what I'm, I'm assuming there's like a, um, is, is there like a, a, a peak period of time, for example, that um, is is a real concern? So we, we, you're talking about sort of mask practice, distributed practice. Is there is there like a period of time for distributed practice that is, that is sort of ideal for um, being able to embed those skills? Well, one of the interesting findings from my systematic literature review in this topic was that actually there's very little guidance uh, that the evidence offers us here. Um, what um, what we do know is that funding in this field is 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 very difficult to come by. So it's not really being investigated in any great detail. However, um, there are some general principles about that, answering that question, with regards to people who acquire a, a, a standard Category B driving licence, in that in parts of the world, um, it's very common to learn to drive, but then not actually be able to afford to buy a car, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's um, there have been some studies in these parts of the world where it's been shown that uh, the skills are completely uh, decayed pretty much uh, within six months. Wow. So uh, essentially for a novice driver who has um, not developed a basic driving skill for category B, then then I would suggest that six months is the absolute bare minimum that you um, have for not driving. Um, but for a truck driver who is actually driving a private vehicle, um, there is some practice going on, um, but not in the large vehicle that they drive for work. And the danger here is that you have an overdeveloped mental model for driving a car. And then when you jump into a truck, um, you can apply your uh, the false mental model of driving a car and and find it difficult to allow the brain to acclimatize to this new driving environment. 
that's that's really fascinating lisa because I, i've actually i've actually experienced that i didn't know that that's what that was but i've, I've experienced that when um a really really good example was i nearly had an accident and you'll probably laugh at this example but it's very similar uh i'd spent a whole day doing go-kart and i actually hate go-karting i actually hate it i don't really enjoy it the smell of petrol and the heat and everything makes me feel travel sick but nonetheless i've done a day of go-karting and then i got back in my car and I nearly had an accident because the behavior of the car is so different to that of the go-kart. And I'd essentially what you're saying is I'd sort of built this mental model of how this vehicle I was traveling in would behave. And uh, and, and, and the car obviously behaves totally differently. And uh, this is what you're saying essentially with people who are driving, if they get used to driving a car or a van and they've lost this practice of driving that vehicle in the way that, the way that it physically behaves. Yeah. And the good news is that it doesn't take too long to um, get back into the appropriate mental model and kind of, if you like, um, kind of get the neural pathways working appropriately. Although it's fair to say that initially what you shouldn't do is put yourself in a high risk situation whilst the brain is kind of adjusting to the change. Um, so perhaps if you've not driven a truck for a while, you know, make sure you keep your levels of risk really low, you know, take it really slow, you know, really do good observations before you make a decision about what to do next. And and that should help to gradually allow the pathways in your brain, if you like, to to start to um, uh, develop into into the right frame of mind for driving that vehicle. Hello, it's Sharni from Flagship Partners. We are really proud to sponsor the Fleet Geeks podcast. If you need expert advice or training for your fleet business, make Flagship Partners your first choice. We are really excited to announce the launch of our Transport Manager Academy with expert development for fleet leaders. We offer fully accredited initial Transport Manager CPC training, CPC refresher and operator license awareness training, as well as mentoring, support and professional development beyond the qualification. Our vision is to develop elite fleet professionals. Got you, got you. And there's there's sort of three key stages to, to think about with this, isn't there? So um, one of them is the cognitive stage, which I'm assuming is this sort of this learning stage, and then the associative stage, and then the autonomous stage. Are you able to just outline those sort of three stages for listeners to help them help them understand it a bit better? Is that okay, Lisa? Sure. So um, the cognitive stage is very much having to develop a very um, heavy kind of knowledge-based understanding about what is required of your um, your abilities. You know what kind of performance you need to, um, to to demonstrate behind the wheel. So it, it, it's it, it's a very intense learning environment for your brain, if you like, um, and where you're sort of learning the rules and developing knowledge. And with the associative stage, what we're looking at here is a focus on uh, linking stimulus with response, essentially, so that if this happens, then that happens. And, and that is something that comes with practice as you expose yourself to lots of different scenarios. And then the autonomous stage is where essentially 
you don't it kind of bypasses the cognitive aspect of it because you've built up that mental model and you're able to automatically make decisions um, that that mean that um, you can respond much faster um, and it takes this is a kind of a typical learning curve and typically we 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 have this steep um, incline at the beginning as we're acquiring the skill and then there's a kind of a plateau um, mm -hmm. where it's very difficult to sort of improve your skill once you've acquired it because you've you've acquired the skill and there's yeah. only so much I mean it's until you get into you know go-karting or you know race driving that you're starting to really develop um, uh, different types of skills. And that's uh, I guess that's that's kind of the thing is that when I was then driving that go-kart I'd gone back into this cognitive stage where I was very conscious of the way it handled and what it did and and those kinds of things so where I was in potentially in a, an autonomous stage I've gone straight back to this cognitive stage and that's really disrupted the way I've sort of uh, I've sort of processed that and so I quite like that because I'm, I'm quite visual so we, we're sort of looking at this curve here of sort of going through this cognitive associative or autonomous sort of stage and then essentially a skill fade is that there's a break in that cycle isn't there there's a break yeah. in this line and what yeah. happens is is you you're not you're not going to go back at the same point that you're at you're going to have regressed there's yes. going to have been this fading process so I was looking at your research and it said that cognitive skills will need refreshing with six months of no practice so yes. um and, and that's sort of this this sort of key time period so I think with fleet and transport managers what 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 would you suggest is good things for them to do to improve the skills with their drivers to um to prevent that from being an issue or and and if they are faced with someone who's maybe coming in that has had that uh what, what are the sort of things we can do well uh, like i said earlier it's it's good news in the sense that it doesn't take too long um for um the skills to kick in um but what i would recommend is that if you have drivers that are not driving regularly and that do tend to sort of let's say be backup drivers um who might only do deliveries when you know people have not turned up or whatever um and you know they have a license but they hardly actually ever drive you know these are the people that perhaps rather than having on them on the back burner perhaps they could more regularly take part in in shifts or schedules or whatever um that that would help to keep the skill levels at an acceptable level excellent and then and then so i, I suppose that the other challenge is people returning to driving is that fleet managers need to be super aware of this this challenge and not just throw someone the keys and let them go there yeah. needs to be this sort of um not necessarily even well i think there should be some level of assessment but this is science has proven that it's not just an assessment there needs to be some level of coaching and support i suppose to be able to get people um uh, sort of through that cognitive stage again to reduce reduce the risk of to them and of other road users yeah that's a good point because you know in terms of uh, behavior we're looking at a different type of skill here um skill 
that we've been talking about is very much vehicle handling skills, practical skills of driving, mm -hmm. um, has a perception, for example, is a practical skill. Yeah. Um, you know, but what you're now talking about is a kind of more coaching uh, behavioral type of intervention where you're providing feedback to the driver around yeah. their risk um, uh, rather than their skills as such. Yeah, I think, I, I, and actually, that's, that's re a really interesting differentiator because I, I think a good driving assessment would do both. I think that there, yes. there's both the elements to it. Yes. I think, I think there's, um, there's the, so one of the things that my, um, my drive, I, we employ a driver assessor who, who, who goes out, and he, he tends to just chat to the, to the driver the whole of so they'll go on a route for example and it's not until the, on the way back that he starts coaching so that it gives him the opportunity to properly assess the skill set if that makes sense so he's assessing the skill set initially before then looking to coach because I think that it, that is important isn't it because you can almost intervene and change the behavior too soon without having seen it demonstrated for example I think is a challenge but yeah that, that's an interesting point I've not really thought about it so much in that context before. Yeah coaching can be used for skills but more commonly it's used to deal with attitudinal aspects to do deal with emotions in driving um, deal with you know non-compliant behaviours um, and it's more around uh, making sure that you know you're influencing people's behavior not so much checking on the distance to their vehicle in front or you know tailgating or you know looking using their mirrors properly it's it's much more around the kind of ongoing perhaps lifestyle problems that might impact on people's driving behavior like um uh their their sleep habits and and so on but we're getting back into the to the last podcast so we'll move <laughs> forward <laughs> it's, it's it's so interested how it's so closely linked though isn't it yes. it is also closely linked and i think i think i think the one final question i guess i've got which i, I think needs needs to sort of be be a key is how do we how do we improve skills how do we yeah i think that's the right question because we were talking about coaching but yeah is there is that how, how do we improve those sort of core functional skills uh or cognitive skills that people are using to drive yeah and you know this is something that has been a really major focus of some of the work i've been involved with um, because it's all very well understanding what the risk is, but, you know, how do you improve? And um, some of the better strategies and well-evidenced are hazard perception training, um, commentary driver training, expert commentary driver training. You know, these are all interventions that have got a, a good, strong track record um, showing that there is improvements in skill, you know, certainly observational anticipation skills, being able to respond quickly to hazards um, are all excellent skills to embed. Um, obviously, from a behavioural perspective, um, there could be some time pressure problems, stress problems that mean that no matter how well trained you are in these hazard skills, hazard perception skills, the, 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 the stress that you're under, the pressure that you're under, 
um, everything goes out of the window effectively and you have a tendency to not check your periphery you get more tunnel vision you know you're kind of focused on the time and you're not thinking about um, using your mirrors properly and perhaps you might tend to drive too fast and and this is where the coaching side would come in um, changing people's perceptions of you know the kind of pressure that they're under and whether it's real pressure or imagined pressure of course that's really really interesting that's it's a very it's very complex isn't yeah. it it's really very complex yeah. and um you know i appreciate that in in a, a 20 minute podcast we're going to struggle to really barely scratch the surface yes. um but nonetheless i hope i hope what's happened in this podcast is that the fleet managers the idea is is that they'll they'll understand this language a bit better now about skill fade there'll be some like some fundamental learnings around making sure that newly qualified drivers are properly catered for inexperienced drivers uh, and drivers returning haven't had a break there's some sort of uh, uh, thing that will trigger them thinking about that and obviously in the show notes for this podcast will be your website at SciDrive um, so I'm just going to point people towards that if they want to find out more information they can go to SciDrive and um, I'm sure that you, you've got a wealth of uh, additional stuff that hopefully will have piqued people's interest to, to, to come and uh, come and have a look. So, Lisa, thank you so much for taking your time out to record the second podcast with me. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. And it's been fascinating talking about Skill Fade with you. So thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Pete. Thanks. Thank you. And thanks to the listeners for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please share with your friends and colleagues too. Join us for free on Facebook with the Fleet Geeks community for transport and fleet managers. Fleet Geeks offers ongoing professional development, networking and mentoring too. So get in touch with me, Pete Rushmer, on any social media platform to find out more.